All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we are here with Nick Lamb, who is a professional big wave surfer, entrepreneur, and founder of Ice Beanie. Nick grew up in Santa Cruz, California, and started surfing at the age of five. He quickly progressed as he started to compete and became the youngest ever to surf the notoriously deadly wave Mavericks in Northern California at the age of 14. Damn, man, you're badass. It's wild. <laughs> Nick, Nick built up a fearless reputation in the world of big wave surfing, racking up magazine covers, and began competing on the big wave tour where he continues to chase the biggest waves in the world. Nick, my man, welcome. Yeah, how you doing? Good to be here. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm I'm always excited to speak to individuals that are at the top of their game in their in their respective field or sport or whatnot. Because there's always something really interesting, especially around mindset and mental fitness. So uh, this is a first for me. I've 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 had other athletes uh, and entrepreneurs on the show, but never big wave surfer so i'm excited to get into this one so you got to have yeah. something dialed in to jump into those walls of water <laughs> i love it i love it i just at the end of the day i just love being in the ocean and i like going fast so it's a beautiful combination to be a professional big wave surfer love it <laughs> all right before we jump into all of that first question uh just to set the stage and understand a little bit about who you are and avoid job titles and things like that and, and that's simply or I shouldn't say simply, it's a pretty loaded question, but just who are you? You know, how, how would you define yourself today as we're, we're sitting here today? I'm fiery energy that has the courage to live within my values and pursue my dreams. Wow, I like it. I like it. What, um, what are some of those values? Well, for me, I mean, my top three values at this time are freedom, health, and wealth building. Hmm. Hmm. And is that like, how, how have those evolved, I guess, over the years? Like what, what, what do you do to, to really s slow down and think about these things? I mean, you're, cause you've clearly thought about this stuff. I mean, a lot of people can't just whip out those values quickly like that. And it seems very clear in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe the quality of life depends on the quality of the questions one asks oneself. And, um, speaking you know, my for language. me, yeah, for me, <laughs> those are my values and that really kind of stem from you know some voids in my childhood and we can unpack that later but those are just things that are really important to me and i believe it's really important to live in congruency with your highest values because that's where you can add the most intrinsic value to the world to the marketplace to yourself and that's where you are you know the most useful yeah love it well so i have a five-year-old as we speak who's a bit of a, an adventure seeker, not, in, I wouldn't say in the water yet, definitely on a mountain bike. That's kind of, he's getting that from my side of things. So we, we, we resonate with you when it comes to speed. Love that angle. I, I'd love to go back when you were five. Like how, how did that story start? You got in the water and I mean, 14s, first of all, I don't, I don't know what the stats are, but I think it's a pretty small number of people especially even in even in surfing that would ever attempt that wave and at 14 <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. serious deal man <laughs> it, was, it, it was pretty nuts i um i started surfing at five my father was a surfer he got me interested in the ocean and we were just kind of always down at the beach in the water in the ocean beach lifestyle immediately fell in love with it 
then I started gravitating towards larger and larger surf. At the age of nine, I started competing. Um, at the age of 12, started competing and winning, winning under 14, under 16. I became the um, California state champion my sophomore year. And then kind of around that time, I started gravitating towards larger and larger surf. Really wanted to like push my limits. And it was also having to do with the environment that I was in. I was born and raised in Santa Cruz, California, which has a very high pedigree of ocean athletes that really push themselves in giant surf. Flea, Daryl Verosco was an influence. He was a three-time Mavericks champion. And to me, that was like, you know, he was a rock star. That was that yeah. was the ultimate. That's what kind of we all strived to want to do and and be, compete at the highest level in giant surf. And, you know, when you grow up in an environment like that, it kind of molds you. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so that's kind of the trajectory that I, I took off on. And um, here we are today. No kidding. And just for... For any of us that have obviously haven't experienced what it's like to be on a big wave like that, like what does that feel like? <laughs> you know, we get asked that question often. It's it's hard to explain, really. Um, you know, it's but the beautiful thing about it is that it really focuses you to be in the moment, in that yeah. moment in time. Your mind is not in the future nor the past you're really, really hyper-focused on pattern pattern recognition right in front of you, high-speed pattern recognition, because at the end of the day, it's life or death. And it's those situations and moments that really make me, that make you feel alive. And that's yeah. what keeps me going back for more, you know? Yeah. I was interviewing uh, Stephen Kotler, who I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but yeah. he, he, okay, he works, you know, for anyone listening who have, hasn't listened to that episode, uh, Stephen Kotler is, is pretty obsessed with flow states. Right. And Remind it, me of the book. His book is called Flow State, right? Uh, he's got one. Or Superman. I mean, Something's. Uh, yeah. Su uh, I think it's Superhuman. The one he's got out right now uh, is The Art of Impossible. And again, okay. it's just, he, it's interesting because he, he brought together all of these researchers from around the world to really bring all this this flow research together and get it out a little bit more mainstream and have people actually working together to talk about this stuff and not be so siloed but i thought of him because his whole story started with he i, I can't remember what if it was lyme disease or some sort of disease where he was essentially bedridden and a friend of his pulled him out of his room and brought him surfing and he, I don't, he got up on a wave and it, it, I think it was something like the only time in the last, I don't know if it was a year or six months that he was actually feeling like a regular human again. So it was just that, that rush and that flow that he was in that slowly started getting him back to normal essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, that's why I asked that question just for, for you. I'm curious to see just like how it feels. And, and also a, a follow-up question is just how does that translate into the rest of your, your day? And especially you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're working on ice beanie and pitching the, the, the crew over at shark tank and all that. <laughs> I mean, like, what are the, what are the parallels? I guess you could, uh, I should ask. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, it's kind of, it would be, it'd be challenging to kind of unpack the parallels in w within the small frame of conversation. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really about just kind of pushing your own boundaries, pushing your limits, you know, and um, 
living in the moment, like I said, it really focuses you and you have to harness your bandwidth to be able to focus and ride a 70, 80 foot wave with a really high, high speed pattern recognition kind of data collection coming at you. So it's just, it focuses you to be in the moment because if you're not, um, you can die. And, um, those are the moments I live for, man. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Do you, do you fear, is there, is there fear there? Like what, what's the balance there with fear? Yeah, there's fear, but that's courage, right? Having the ability to be, to be scared, but to step forward in outside your comfort zone. Right. Because that's kind of where growth happens at the border of challenge and support. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like before you jump in the water? I mean, when you know that a swell like that starting or waves coming up and, and whatnot, you know, it's, it's going to be a big one or competition, like whatever. Um, what's your, what's your self-talk? You know, it's really dependent on like a lot of the preparation that we do months and months and years before. Um, and that's the moment to actually just let go and be again, back into the moment. So it's not so much of like self-talk ramping yourself up. It's more so kind of just, this is what you do. This is what you love to do. Let's go. You know, that's really it. And, um, you know, just give yourself permission to shine. Yeah. It's interesting. I I, I was interviewing uh, Apollo Ono, uh, short track speed skater, uh, Olympian. And I think he, up until right now, I'm pretty sure he's the most decorated winter Olympian in, in the U.S., uh, well, he's, he's retired now, but he, he was just sharing with me again, just all of his, his, exactly what you just said, all of the training and the prep before and to the point where I think when he was on, uh, he was traveling on a plane, I mean, he would meditate and, and get into his visualization and it would be so rich in detail that, you know, beads of sweat would start coming down his, his face type thing. Right. Oh, wow. But then, but then when he was ripping around the track, it's all, again, coming back to these flow states, it's almost like time slowed and, you know, he could predict what his opponents are going to do, you know, seconds before them or microseconds before and like see that play out. Is that, is that similar in your world? Cause it's you and the wave essentially, right? Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. You versus the ocean and you versus you really, I mean, my goal, um, you know, internally is to be kind of 1% better every single day. And that's kind of where a lot of our focus lies and in the habits that we have throughout the day. Um, I have a pretty structured morning. I feel like if you're able to conquer the morning, you're able to conquer the day and days compound the weeks, compound the months, compound the years. And that's where you get the best growth and best, you know, return on effort is through compounding. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, that's what this show is all about. So why don't we talk a little bit about your, your morning <laughs> right. routine and some of the rituals you've got and, and I'd be interested, Nick, just how those have evolved, <clears throat> excuse me, evolved over the years. Mm. Yeah, sure. So upon waking, I normally wake up around sunrise or when the market opens. Um, I'll throw some water on my eyes and kind of actually inhale some water through my nose just to kind of clean out my, my nose and my eyes, brush my teeth. If I'm feeling a little bit sick, I'll actually use a steel tongue scraper. Oh yeah. And then yep. from, yeah. And then from there I'll drink about a quart of purified water and then I'll go into the, um, the Tibetan rites. I'll do that for about five to 10 minutes. What and are those? There, I'm not familiar with, uh, with those. It's a series of, uh, yoga poses. Okay. That was, I believe it originated from a gentleman who 
went to Tibet and found like the youthfulness of all the monks, basically like the fountain of youth, they would do these five or six movements practices. And these guys okay. just look like they hadn't aged at all. So it's called the Tibetan rites. Anyone I suggest definitely Google it. Yeah. Um, Cause it's kind of difficult to explain, but yeah, it's a powerful set of movements really just kind of opens you up and energizes you for the day. <clears throat> and then from there, I'll probably read for about 20 to 30 minutes, handle some emails. And then I make sure I get a workout in. It's probably about 90 minutes. I'll go and surf. I'll sauna and I'll cold punch. Those are basically like the non-negotiables that I'll do every single day. And I'm able to knock those out, you know, come noontime. Amazing. And when you're, when you're out surfing on a regular basis like that, is there, is it just get in the water, kind of do your thing? Is there, there, is there an intention to what you're doing day in and day out? Like, I, I really don't know, <clears throat> excuse me much about that. You have your world. So, uh, excuse me if these, these questions are super basic, but I feel like myself and the listeners probably just don't have insight to that world. So I'm curious, is there like a training regimen regimen when you're going out in the water or is it just being out there? You know, it's a little bit of both. I like to go out there and I mean, how we win events and contests is by putting up scores on good waves, right? Yeah. There's a criteria. So I kind of try to align myself with that. I'll make sure I go out and catch a few good waves and kind of internally score myself but at the end of the day i just love being in the ocean it's just it's freedom to me it's bliss it's what sets my soul on fire so that's what i do then i'll go out there and just kind of let my mind run and enjoy being submerged in mother nature yeah i was gonna ask a follow-up on that one so just you know wh why do you think that the ocean feels so free to you like that because it is man it's just I mean, it's a living body of water without the ocean. We wouldn't be here. Um, it just feels so freeing and energizing. And I mean, the minerals in the ocean, when you enter the ocean, you get a nice cooling effect. And when you come out, you feel better. And it's like the rinsing of the ocean over your body feels like no matter what you went through the day before that morning, stress, anxiety, it just gets washed off you and you're able to just step back into the world onto land like a new person every single time and it's available for free right now anyone can go in it it's a beautiful thing i love it <laughs> that it is that it is i love that language about just the the rinsing of the ocean and mm. uh it's a beautiful metaphor and a nice way to think as well and i think you know uh, on my side i you know i'm pretty passionate about all these different mental fitness practices and i can see stacking that concept with other things that you're doing like if you're going through something and just even if you did a little bit of journaling before you went in the water like right. what do you you know what do you want to rinse away as you, exactly. as you walk in i love that well i think i mean your real potential lies within your ability to regovern yourself after you've been deterred by misinterpretation of exterior stimulus jesus okay <laughs> boom just <laughs> dropping that's the quote of the show i think <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. Where where is all this this mindset and this education coming from? What well, you said you you read in the morning, right? But like where like where did that show up in your life? First, I should say. I've always sure. I've always loved learning. I love to learn. I'm just a sponge. I really enjoy listening. Um, I feel like if you listen, you have an opportunity to learn something new. Versus you know speaking, you're just regurgitating stuff that you already know. So I actually go into a lot of. Um, you know, situations, just listening, 
you know, you got two ears and one mouth, you know, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So I love to learn. I'm a sponge. I'm always learning. I mean, I got a stack full of books in front of me and that's kind of where that originated from. Cause I feel like the more I learn, the more I understand, the less I understand. And it's just, it's captivating and it's, um, it's enticing and it's, it's stimulating and all those things combined. And I love it. I love synthesizing data. Love it. It's awesome. Um, just going back to your day. So I, I, I jump around a little bit on, on this show and it's, so once you're, you're done the surf, done the workout and all of that, what, what does the typical day look like for you? I mean, the typical day really looks like kind of what I explained. I'll, I'll wake up first thing. I'll, I'll look at the ocean kind of assess what the wind and the tide and the swell are doing. I mean, that's another fun thing about the ocean is that it's always changing. Always. Yeah. There's never one wave that's the same. It's different every single time. It's like the ultimate algorithm that my brain's trying to figure out. That's why I, I mean, we talk about pattern recognition and data collection and stuff like that. I mean, you, you have the best computer in the world. It's right in between your ears, right? And the ocean is just like I said, constantly changing, evolving. And um, that's what just keeps it exciting for me, looking at the ocean, trying to trying to map out patterns or make predictions. And, you know, I'd say 60% of the time you're wrong, but the other 40%, you get it right. And so yeah. I'll start there. I'll look at the ocean. I'll make sure I get some direct morning sunlight, drink some water. I'll do my Tibetan rites. I'll read, write, do some business emails, take care of some business responsibilities make sure I get that workout in. I'll do the sauna for 15 to 20 minutes. I'll do my cold plunge for two to three minutes. And yeah. after that, you feel pretty darn unstoppable. Like there's not much that you can't do. And if anything gets thrown my way after I do those things, I feel, um, you know, invincible. Like yeah. I can handle it. So these you're doing these things kind of before lunch, right? Or is this, yeah, yeah, for the most okay. part, yeah. For the but most part. I, I, with a caveat to that, like, like I said, it kind of revolves around the ocean, right? So I'll look yeah. at the ocean in the morning and I'll assess, okay, the tide's going to be a little bit higher later in the day. Okay, so I can move my workout and all this stuff over here. Or, gotcha. ooh, it's going to be really good right now in the morning, so I can actually push my workout to later in the day. Because the workout, you know, you can get done anytime. It's mm -hmm. the same. But the ocean, there's, there's timing to the ocean, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's so interesting. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think, because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. I'm really interested in the just this pattern recognition because I feel like you being in the ocean on these waves and, and really looking and I'm assuming predicting kind of where it's going to go next that it's it has to be like a 
a training for your minds when it comes into like your business world and stuff like that, right? Like you're just, you are primed to see patterns. They may be different, but you're yep. still looking for this stuff. Exactly. I mean, I think the brain is, is designed to look for patterns, right? And we all do it in our daily life on some level. Um, the ocean to me just happens to be the most complex. I mean, there's people that look at patterns in, in the stock market. Yeah. I do some of that, but primarily where my expertise lies is within the ocean. Um, and yeah, you can see it in business. You can see it in daily life. You can see it with health. And so kind of just learning those patterns, um, collecting enough data and this constantly making iterations daily to kind of become 1% better. I'm all about innovation and pushing myself and, um, trying to become a better version of myself every single day. Cause you know, we go back to what we we're talking about with compounding and that's it, man. Like even with relationships, um, business health, it's all about compounding. So if you're able to just really have a good structure for those different tiers, um, and you're able to compound out that that's, that's where you see your best, your best results, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm assuming you've read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which is all 1% better every... I haven't read that book, no. No. Oh, you'll love it. Well, I'm going to get you okay. a copy of my book, and there's a profile yes, of are. him of him in there, so that'll be a good little oh, intro. Oh, very cool. Definitely. Uh, I want to read that. Yeah, I feel like you would really love his, uh, his mentality, because he, he really focuses on habit formation, but from the standpoint of systems behind your habits, yep. right, to keep them... I mean, a habit can come and go, but your systems will be the thing that really plays out in the long run, right? Exactly. So for sure, implementing the right systems and then just sticking to them. Right. Yeah. Um, and then again, you know, you just want to make sure that you're living in congruency with your highest values. Cause if you're not living aligned with your highest values and you're living by society's values imposed on you, you'll feel internally conflicted, like depressed, anxious, unmotivated, but it's a good thing because this is a natural feedback loop, the body alarming you that something is misaligned. Yeah. And you got to go in and you got to, you got to do that self auditing. You got to ask yourself those questions. Like what are my highest values and make sure that you're living in congruency with those. When do you typically do that kind of reflection? I, I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, so I love being alone and reflecting. I probably spend like a a quarter of my day doing that it's funny some of my friends and family they <laughs> think i don't want to spend time with them it's <laughs> yeah. like no it's it's just that i need to spend time with myself um yeah i'm the same at the I end of the day <laughs> yeah i enjoy doing that at the end of the day kind of near sunset you kind of sit and reflect on okay i could have done that better okay i'm not going to do that again or what the fuck was i thinking there you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> so yeah at the end of the day i enjoy reflecting and i think it's important for people to stop hit pause reflect on things that you did right that day, reflect on things you did wrong and how you can improve them and, and in all aspects of life. Right. Because I mean, yeah. there's lots of areas that you want to focus on spiritually, creatively, physically, vocationally, financially, socially, and family, all those areas you want to try to focus on and improve and reflect on. And if you're just caught up in the day-to-day -day tasks of being busy or busy, a busy Betty, you know, yeah. you're never going to have that time to sit and reflect. And I think reflection is where, um, inspiration come from and improvement. I mean, it's, it's the superpower, honestly, from, mm -hmm. like I said, I've interviewed, you know, over 200 people now on this show and, and through our app and whatnot in the past. And 
I'd say that's that is the superpower. Like that's the thing that a hundred percent of the, the people that are coming on the show are prioritizing their life in some way. Because if you don't, it, it's you're on autopilot or you're on the treadmill, right? And then you're, you know, you're on someone else's timeline and and an objective for your life type thing versus. And it doesn't have to be that much time, right? Like even right. even just a few minutes a day to just slow down and pause that, and, and like you said, ask some good questions. I mean, it's why I wrote a book about questions. The, the damn I know, book's called I Personal book, Socrates. <laughs> it's quite, I, I really feel like questions are are they're just so that important. unlock, right, or that pause. Exactly. Yeah, it's so important. You know, you see a lot of people that just are so busy and they don't reflect and they kind of outsource their decision making to other people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're 65 and you know, your health has declined and you're not where you want it to be. And instead of working job X, you really wanted to be a painter or whatever. And it's like, you didn't do that because you were living underneath someone else's values imposed onto you. And that's why it kind of stems back to going back to those questions, asking yourself those questions, like what are my highest values, figuring that stuff out, writing it down and then living in congruency with those. Yeah. I'm just taking note of that. Normally I ask this question at the end, but since we're on it, I'd love to get any of the reflective questions that, you know, circulate on a frequent basis for you or, or when you're trying to make big, uh, big decisions. So what are my highest values? I think that's a really good one. It's a really good one. Everyone needs to ask himself that, um, how's whatever happened to me in my past or present helped me fulfill what is most meaningful to me today, you know? Mm -hmm. And don't say, I don't know, find the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. Um, we haven't gotten into ice beanie yet. So I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to get into that. Like what first, sure. of all, cause right before we hit record, we were just jamming about how, uh, it's a bit wild, uh, filming for shark tank and like everything behind that. But before we, you know, get into that experience, how'd you even get to that point in the first place? So as I mentioned, I'm a professional big wave surfer. And as I was competing in the Nazare challenge, which is in Portugal, um, we were in the final and it was about 60 foot and the wind started coming up. Long story short, I fell on a wave and I got pretty concussed. And for months after that, I kind of had this terrible post-concussion migraine headaches. And I remember I was actually leaving my gym and I'm like, thinking, oh, I'm going to ice this, ice that, or after a long workout, like, why don't we ice our heads? Like, we're taught to use cold therapy for other parts. Like, if you fall, scrape your knee, whatever your mom says, grab a bag of peas from the freezer, ice it. Like, why don't we ice our heads? I'm like, fuck. So I started to put pen to paper, and I started kind of designing a little concept. And um, fast forward to today, and we have ice beanie, which is compression cold therapy and a soft polyester adjustable beanie that you place in the freezer with acupressure design gel packs and you put it on your head and it feels amazing. It feels like air conditioning for your head. You know, it, it helps with migraines, headaches, and it really helped me get through my concussion. And we're seeing a lot of studies come out now where the benefits of cold therapy on the head, on the brain, um, have shown really, really promising results. So it's exciting. It's been, absolutely amazing i mean the response has been unlike anything i could have ever imagined um business is booming it's been good 
Awesome. And it seems to be helping a lot of people too. We've uh, we had a lot of people reaching out um, that are like chemo patients and stuff like that, where the families buy them for their kids, whatever, going through chemotherapy because I guess they have mm. like really hot heads when they go through that that terrible process, and um, which actually uh, advanced us to start working with Chalk Children's Hospital, Orange County, where we're going to start providing product to them and help the kiddos going through chemo and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been it's been a really fun fun process and evolution and uh it's been it's been quite a ride no kidding it started with one question i mean it's and it, it's one of those things you know hearing you talk about how it started now i'm, I'm almost not surprised that it's taken off well because it's one of those scenarios where you're like well obviously like shouldn't that exist it seems obvious right but it doesn't yeah. <laughs> especially yeah, exactly. with cold, all these cold plunges and any i mean any high level athlete just jumping into a bathtub you know, icing their legs after, you know, a big basketball game or whatever. And that's just standard, but you're, you're so right. We, we don't do that with our head. Right. Um, what about just like general kind of day to day? Is there, is there any benefit other than I, I can imagine it just feels good. Is there any benefit to doing it? I believe that there is. Yeah. And we're seeing studies, like I said, start to trickle in more and more about the benefits of utilizing cold therapy on the head. Cold therapy in general for the body is has profound health benefits. I use it when it gets really hot here. I live in Southern California. We don't have air conditioning at our house. So okay. um, when it gets really toasty and hot, whatever, I, I got a bunch of friends in Austin too. They're all, they're using it even when it gets hot. So even if you don't have migraines or headaches or anything like that, or a TBI or head injury, feels really good just when you're fucking really hot like yeah. after a really intense workout just pop that bad boy on and it cools you down it's nice yeah and okay that so i mean i have to try one of these things uh <laughs> yeah i'll send you one it's amazing how so then what's the deal with shark tank how did that all come up oh my goodness so i've always been a huge fan of the show yeah i absolutely love it i think it's great and what an impact that show has had on on the U.S., on the U.S. economy, really, for inspiring young entrepreneurs to, to start companies and add value to the marketplace and um, provide goods and services that help people and some of those that give back to the environment. We're also I'm a member of 1% for the Planet, so we also give back there. But, man, I was like, you know what? I love the show. I've seen every single episode. Okay, might as well just try to audition. Why not? Yeah. So I remember I, I sent the... I sent an email and I, had, I signed up online and went through the process and the process is very strenuous. Yeah. It, probably from start to finish, it was like over a year. Um, and they do a lot of due diligence and there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through and, um, there's a lot of rounds that you advance through. So you can, you can make it to the first round, fifth, sixth, seventh round and never actually get called to actually go and shoot. Yeah, You can even, I mean, even when I made it, they're like, okay, so you're going to actually pitch. They still, they still, there's a caveat every time, like you're going to go pitch, but, um, you might not end up taping. And if you end up taping, you might not end up airing. So <laughs> yeah. they say that the whole time. So you're basically on pins and needles for a year yeah. while trying to run the business and trying to stay on top of your, your health and fitness and, you know, being an athlete and stuff like that. So it's, it was, it was really, really stressful looking back, but it was, it was really fun. It, I, it's funny. I remember I shot my audition video during like March of 2020 when the pandemic was just taking the world by fire. And I was 
on the beach and the beach it was illegal to be on the beach it was illegal to be in the ocean which is just yeah. fundamentally wrong i think in yeah so many areas but i shot it on the beach in my wetsuit because i'm like oh you know i don't think any many people are going to be doing that it ended up working out but i remember there was a police car behind me on the beach and i actually thought that i was going to get arrested while i was shooting it because i was on the beach weren't allowed to be on the beach in the ocean so it's pretty wild <laughs> luckily they just drove by because they're like oh here's some kid just talking to his phone yeah 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 <laughs> It worked out. It was nuts. Well, had you got arrested, I'm sure that would have been a, a, a solid track right to air, right to airing, right? <laughs> right. Oh man, yeah. I, I so we I, I the when we had the journaling app Keo, I had pitched uh, Dragons Den, which is our Canadian oh, version. Oh, rad. Yeah, which uh, Kevin O'Leary started that show, right? And then and then hopped. He over started there. that show. Well, he was he was the original Dragon over there. I think he still does he it. He does both. Um, and they, they ran, I think in Canada, I want to say there was like 15, 20 seasons type thing. He was running both of them at, at the same time. Oh, and really? I went, I went to the, I got past the first round and then went to, uh, to the, to the studio where essentially they just lined us up and pitched, yeah. you know, there's two or three producers per table. I didn't get past that, but just getting to that part, I said, man, this is serious. Like I was, you're it's no joke. It's, it's no, no joke. joke. <laughs> it's very serious, very stressful. So, th yeah. but that's an accomplishment. If you like made it that far, a lot of people wouldn't understand. But like to make it that far is really tough. It takes a lot of work, and you're yeah, they're filtering through hundreds of thousands of applicants. So if you made it yeah. that far, I mean, yeah, hats off to you. That's hard work. Yeah. Well, thank you. So where where are you at in that process, or where did it go from there? Yeah. So we pitched. We got accepted. It was in the middle of the pandemic, so it was unlike any other previous season. They flew us out to Vegas to go and shoot, and they had us in the Venetian. Um, yeah. We had to quarantine for like two weeks in the hotel, which was very challenging for me because I really enjoy sunlight and being outside and breathing <laughs> fresh air. <laughs> so, Just normal human things. Yeah, just normal human stuff. <laughs> It was basically like a, I mean, a very nice jail cell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just sitting in there working out, but it was it was stressful and it was like it was pretty tough on my um, my personality to just be locked inside. But the flip side was that I had a lot of time to practice. So there was there was a lot of time to practice. Basically, so much so that I was like, "There's no way that I'm gonna mess this up. I'm going in there. I'm getting a deal. I'm not leaving without a deal." Yeah. And so that worked in my benefit, but it was tough, man. Like we had to get tested so many times. And, um, if you show up and you test negative, they tested us multiple times throughout the stay. If you show up and you get tested and you test positive, like you're out, like you're going home. Oh man. So even if you get a false positive, yeah. you're going home. And so all this is weighing on you and you're like, Oh my God, you got to make sure that you know your pitch. You got to know your numbers. You got to know your business and you have to run your business too, mind you and all your other stuff that you have to take care of. Um, yeah, that's so it was really, really <laughs> stressful. Yeah, it was really stressful. Yeah. And you never knew what was going to happen. And every time I got tested, I was like, man, this this could be it. If this thing shows up positive, like they send you home packing. Maybe you can shoot next year, but it's like, sure. it takes so much work to get to that point. I was like, I don't even know if I'll try again next year because it's, it's really, really tough. It was just really strenuous. And I think that the COVID um, made it that much harder. It was crazy. So they had us in the Venetian and then you only get one shot to pitch. So okay. if you go in and you stumble, 
they don't stop the cameras. They don't go, okay, reset. How'd do that again? No, you get one shot. So if you blow it, they'll just go, okay, next. And <laughs> I don't know if you had a chance to see the episode. I'd encourage everyone to go check it out. ABC Hulu. Um, but I rode in on a surfboard, which had never been done before as an electric skateboard. And I only got to practice on the thing for like five minutes the day before one of the producers had rigged together a, an electric skateboard on top of a, underneath the surfboard. So I had to roll in and not pull the trigger too hard to fly up and land on Mr. Wonderful's lap, but just land on my mark and then jump off and then give the pitch. And you have to land on your mark and stop for about 45 seconds where they frame up and they, they get some B roll. And so it's quiet for about a minute after you land. And luckily on my first try, I hit the trigger and I landed oh my on the God. mark perfectly and I nailed my pitch and, um, you know, it worked out pretty well for me, but, um, I'd encourage people to go check it out. Yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to flip that into the show notes. That's <laughs> awesome. What, um, just curious while you were in the fancy, uh, jail cell essentially at the Venetian, <laughs> yeah. I've been to that hotel before. I can I can smell just the smell of that place just probably yeah. burned into your nose. Yes. Um, which is probably not a good thing at this point. No. But <laughs> anytime you're breathing <laughs> a fragrance like that, surely oh, that's God. not natural. Recycle um, there, yeah. Yeah. But what what were you doing in the room just to try to keep your mind sane and clear? You know, what were what were the key non negotiables there? So a lot of the similar stuff I do day to day. Um, sure. you know, I'd wake up, I'd get a workout in, I'd do some reading and really kind of just dive straight into the pitch and focused on the business, um, and running the business from there. You know, I had meetings from inside the hotel room, but that yeah. was basically it. And you know, what was even funnier too, is like they had on the, on the TV. I mean, right when you turn on the TV, they're playing shark tank it's like just <laughs> everywhere. So we were like stuck in the hotel room getting ready to pitch on shark tank, trying to get your mind off of it, turn the TV on their shark tank, like <laughs> all around you. So it was, it was a fun situation to kind of put myself in and, and test my abilities. And, um, you know, it just goes to show, like if you work really hard and you really practice and you, and you visualize and focus and, um, you know, you put forth the effort, anything's possible. Yeah. Love it. Well, I want to respect your time and start wrapping up. I'd, I'd love to just ask a couple uh, final questions. One just being, you know, what's what's next for you? What's lighting you up, making you smile these days? A lot of focus right now has been on just preparation for the big wave season that's approaching. We are um, exiting summer and starting to enter winter. The goal for me is to get the biggest wave I can. I want to break world records at Nazare, Portugal, where the largest waves in the world are. Um, I'd like to win the Jaws paddle event, get the biggest barrel I can there, and really focus on building Ice Beanie into being a very successful company. Like I said, we're I'm a member of 1% for the planet, so giving back towards the ocean is really important to me, and that's you know something that my brand and company is uh, aligned with. So that's kind of where a lot of my focus is these days. Sounds pretty awesome to me. I mean, you've got uh, positive vibes coming from all of us from the show to hit those <laughs> marks. So keep rocking it out there. A huge thanks for making some time to come on the show. Uh, a bigger thanks for 
just dedicating your energy out there to, you know, show people what's possible. I think that's one big thing, obviously, with your your athletics and surfing, but then also with the business, just, you know, truly helping a lot of people out there. Uh, it's a really nice thing. And, uh, you know, I feel really honored that you've come on the show to share that experience. So thank you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. 